Welcome to the Surviving Second Gen Podcast, where we candidly discuss the mental health impacts of being a second generation immigrant in America. I'm your host, Jennifer Ippolit, a Haitian American child of two immigrant parents, as well as a licensed mental health counselor. My hope is that this podcast leaves you feeling heard, understood, and empowered to apply tangible takeaways that can help you navigate all the things that come with being second gen. Okay, mic check one two one two, mic check one two one two, a a mic check one two one two, um, mic check one two one two. So, um, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? <laughs> That's like the uh the meme. You don't know talk about how y'all doing. Um, first of all. Don't come for me. I'm back. So don't come for me, okay? I know I said I was taking a two-week break, and it's become a two-month break. (laughs) I know I had said that. You know what I'm saying? I know I said that. However, like, I have reasoning, okay? On Instagram, I said I was going to take a two-week break. So if you follow me on Instagram, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you should be following me on Instagram. It's Jennifer. Hippolyte on Instagram. The at and all that is in my bio or not bio, but you know, the, you know, the spot in the podcast where you find all the information. Okay. Um, or the first and last name, the title, you know, you know, you know how to figure out where to, where to find my name and how to spell it. Um, but I said I was going to take a two week break because I needed to think about more topics and kind of reset and figure out, okay, what more do I want to talk about? What are some ideas? Who do I want to talk to? Because I do want to do more interviews. Um, But it turned into two months. And it turned into two months because I was taking care of myself. So y'all should be happy that this black woman was taking care of herself, okay? So I was practicing some of the stuff that I talked about in other episodes about really caring for me and knowing that it's important to rest. And that's something that I've been making a priority for myself this year is to truly rest. And I did that, okay? In the past two months, I celebrated my birthday, had an amazing time in Mexico, Um, that was such a good trip. Like it was so refreshing, resetting. I love that for me. Um, I got to visit friends. That was so fun. I had family, um, come and see me. It was just been a good past two weeks. Honestly, I must tell you. And I was doing all of this, but also working. So I still, you know, work my job, what I do. I'm a mental health counselor, so I still do that um, while still being able to reset. And I'm just thankful for that because, like, I really, really needed that. So it wasn't, like, purposeful, like, 
oh, I'm just going to say two weeks just to say, I just thought that in two weeks I was going to be able to reset. But just life, man, life be life in. And not in a bad way. Like I said, like this has been a good two months, but like life happens out of me, outside of me recording this podcast. I love recording this podcast. But anytime you record, and if you're a creator in any type of way, you understand. Anytime you record, that's taking time away from your day-to-day. Editing, that's taking time away. Posting, that takes time away from actual, like, things that you could be doing in your life. So, yeah, like, I had to take time away to do that. But then it came to a point where I was like, okay, there's things I want to get done. And while I was traveling, whether it was in Mexico or in Portland, like, I didn't have the mental capacity to be doing, to be recording a podcast. I even took my mic to Mexico though, because I thought like, oh, because I'm going to be really, I was still kind of working while I was over there. So I was like, okay, I might get some inspiration and feel like recording. And I never did, but I'm okay with that. So all that to say, I was away and it was needed, but I'm back. Um, And I'm not going to go away again, hopefully. Um, Or I'm not going to say hopefully, I don't plan on going away again, at least for that long extended period of time. But what I will say is that I am going to change the schedule to bi-weekly. So I will drop episodes every two weeks. So um, I want to do that because I want to be realistic. I think I was very um, hopeful and optimistic in the beginning which there's nothing wrong with that. And I was busting out every episodes every week because I was really excited about starting the podcast. But that's not realistic for my life right now. Because again, I am wanting to be intentional about resting. So I know that I won't be able to rest in the way that I want to if I'm trying to bust out episodes every week. So moving forward, it's going to be every other week. But it's going to be a great episode every other week. Okay. So that's that. That's the new schedule. And that's where I've been. Um, But like I said, if you want to stay up to date with what's going on with me, follow me on IG Jennifer Hippolyte. Um, But I haven't actually been like, I because I've been using I use my IG primarily to promote this podcast. I haven't really been on there. But now that I'm, you know, back promoting the podcast, I'm going to be on there. So go ahead and follow me on there. Also, the YouTube page, Surviving Second Gen Podcast, that's where the video version of this is on. And I take time to do the video version. Like literally setting up the camera today, I was like, oh, shoot, like I, I low-key forgot how to do that. Like it takes time to set up the video version. And I do that because I know for myself, I like watching video podcasts. Um... And I feel like there's an opportunity to like engage and see me in my setting, watching the video version and also engage in the comments. So this for me is, you know, I'm the only one in the podcast. I'm not talking to another person, at least in this episode, but doing the video version allows y'all to interact with me. So if you want to interact with me and you know, uh, really comment about some of the things I'm talking about, go ahead and go to the YouTube page. Matter of fact, just go ahead right now, pause the podcast, go to the YouTube page, Surviving Second Gen Podcast, go ahead and subscribe. And then when this video is out, it comes out the same day as the page. 
go ahead and comment on there what you're thinking while the podcast is playing. You know what I mean? I really do want to engage and that's like one form of doing that. So yeah, now into today's topic (laughs) after these announcements, but I feel like it was only right to do that because I've been gone for so long. But I really want to talk about boundaries with Haitian, Jamaican, uh, Puerto Rican, Antiguan, Colombian. I'm just naming all these like different Caribbean countries. Parents. So um, immigrant parents, boundaries with them. And I want to talk about this because um, it's something that I personally dealt with. Um, and I don't feel like you really stopped dealing with it. It might look different, but it's something that I personally dealt with. Um, and it's something that I have helped clients with specifically clients who are children of immigrant parents because it looks different. And I think boundaries is like a big buzzword right now. Everybody's talking about it. You gotta have boundaries, gotta have boundaries, gotta have boundaries. And I completely agree. And boundaries are hard. And boundaries are really hard when you come from an immigrant family. (laughs) Because I feel like immigrant families equals no boundaries. Like literally that's like, (laughs) that's the equation. Immigrant family equals no boundaries. Because it's not something that um, your parents are raised to have. So for the most part, they don't raise you to have it with them, with family members. Um, Outside of the household, boundaries are just not a thing. It's just not talked about. It's like almost like if you are in an immigrant setting, everything and anything is basically accessible. Um, Let me rephrase that. But basically like you, there are no boundaries in terms of like what what happens in your life. Um, And anyone in the family can have access to the things that are going on in your life. Um, And that's where the problem lies. Um, Especially as you become a child of immigrants who is an adult so yes I am a child of my parents but I'm a grown adult so what does that look like you know (laughs) what does boundaries look like um and I feel like I've learned over time what to make boundaries look like for me um personally in in just being you know like I said in the situations that I have been in um and really helping other people do the same so let's talk about it. Um, I think some of the things that I may say may be like not seen as the best thing, um, depending on where you are in the spectrum of how you see immigrant families. Um, and I think the spectrum is different. And I've kind of talked about this before, like there's a difference between children of immigrants who were born and raised in another country um, or came to this country at a young age or was born here and their parents were born in another country or one of their parents was born in another country. There's different ways in which people see things. 
And I've had conversations with people who think very similar to me and how I see things. And I've had conversations with people um, who see things differently, just differently. And I respect all perspectives. Honestly, I do because I can see why someone would think in a certain way. You know, there's so many things that inform how people think. So I don't expect everybody to think the way that I think. But I'm just coming from the perspective of what has helped me and protected me and my mental health, which is what the focus of this conversation is, and what I feel has helped and protected the mental health of people that I uh, talk about this kind of stuff with. So, you know, professionally. So that's where I'm coming from. Um, but yeah, boundaries is a big buzzword and people's talking about it, but, um, it is really, 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 really hard to know what it looks like to have boundaries when you come from an immigrant background, um, know how to enact those boundaries and not feel shame and guilt for enacting those boundaries. All of those things come into play. First of all, just enacting those boundaries is a huge, like, we're shaking the table. Like, if you, I don't even think, like, I've never even said the word boundaries to my parents. If I said that, they wouldn't even know what I was talking about. Like, what is boundaries? You know, what are boundaries? That They wouldn't know. So it's like, you have to do things that you realize will really protect your state of mind and for me personally it started with not disclosing too much and what I mean by that again when we think of being in a when we come when we think of being in a household where you have to um you have to abide by what your parents think and believe you should be doing and how you should be doing it. And if your way of doing things does not align with what they feel like is right for you, it's an is- it's an issue. It's an instant like, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. Um, so with that comes, if you share something, you're going to get an opinion. Always. <laughs> it's never like, you know, I'm not going to say anything. You're an adult and I'm going to let you decide what you want to do because I feel like, um, you know, I raised you to be a thinker and know what you want for your life. So in this decision, I'm going to let you decide what is best for you. Never in my life have I heard that. <laughs> Till this day. Till this day. <laughs> Never have I heard that. If I disclose something or if something is found out, whatever it may be, there will always be an opinion that follows. And that in itself is the lack of boundaries that um, they usually don't understand. That you don't always have to have an opinion on somebody's decisions. That right there is a boundary that you can have for yourself that yeah, people may tell me something and I don't have to respond and say, this is what I think. I can respond by saying, hey, do you want to hear what I think? Or um, is there any any advice that you would like, right? Like, uh, or trying to find out what what they need, right? But that's 
not what happens. <laughs> I, I I don't know any person who had an immigrant parent that said something that I like I just said, right? Um so so therein lies the problem, right? There's some things you can't control, right? There may be things that they find out about your life or find out about what you do and therefore they have an opinion. But there is also things that you can control in terms of what you share for them to have an opinion about, okay? So if you give them stuff to talk about, they're going to talk about it. Whatever it is, it could be the smallest thing. But if you talk about it, they're going to have something to say, right? And what happens when they have something to say that many times does not align with how you believe, right? Or how, or your beliefs, right? Especially because, you know, being born and many times raised in America, you have different ideas about, you know, how to live your life, what you think is okay to do or not okay to do, um, you know, lifestyle, just different things, right? So more than likely, it doesn't align with how they see things, right? So more than likely, what you share, you end up getting a negative reaction. It's like, you know, why would you do this? Or that doesn't make sense. That's not something you should do. Uh, you know, you're not American. Why would you do that? You know, all this judgment, guilt, shame, misunderstanding, um, all these negative things, which leads to negative emotions, which leads to anxiety. Like, you end up feeling bad about something that you're doing that you once probably felt good about. And again, it could be so simple. It could be like a, a purchase, right? You bought something, you were really excited about it because you felt like this is a decision that you made to invest in something that you really, really wanted. And then for that parent that you shared it with, they're like, that's a waste of money. Why would you do that? Like, what's the reason for having something like that? Which for them makes no sense. It's impractical. But for you, it makes all the sense in the way that you live and the way that you like to do things. So then you're now carrying all this guilt and shame and all these negative emotions around something that you once felt good about. Um, yeah, that's going to impact your state of mind. And think about if it's even a bigger major decision. Maybe moving. Or maybe purchasing a house in a particular city, you know, or um, a partner that you chose, you know, somebody who you want to spend your life with. All these different things, major, major decisions, and you get negative feedback. And again, like I said, for the most part, a lot of times it's negative feedback because it's not, it does not align with how they think you should be living based on the cultural context that they have. And it's not to say that that's bad or wrong. It's different. You know what I mean? Like it's different. And again, like I, I understand the perspective that now that I'm older, I understand the different perspective that they're coming from and why they come from that ex perspective. And it helps me feel um, more at peace with ultimately what I decide because I have 
a sense of a stronger sense of self about the things that I do and why they make sense for me. So it doesn't sting me as much, you know, but that's not everybody's case, you know, and, and it, it sometimes even with age, that's not the case. You know, somebody can still be 30 something and still struggling with not allowing those things to affect them, especially if you're like living at home still, which, you know, a lot of um, y- um, young immigrant people Uh, children of immigrants to live at home for a variety of reasons. Um, Sometimes being guilt-tripped to live at home, you know, especially if you're a woman. That's a whole nother conversation, right? So it's like there are still people struggling with not feeling the effects of, um, you know, what their parents' opinions are. And I feel like I posted, um, I think it was a YouTube short, and there was a comment on there who's, it was a person who the video was not meant for them. <laughs> this was a random uh, white person who responded like, oh, why does what grown person would let their parents' um, uh, ideas or thoughts or opinions influence them that much? That's crazy when you're a grown adult. And it was just like, okay. It was It was more random. So there was nothing to really like, go back and forth about it was clearly a random comment and sometimes I wonder like how did certain videos get to certain people but algorithm is trying to figure out its algorithm but comments like that it's like you don't understand (laughs) and you probably never will I don't fault you for that but um yeah I don't think people realize how real it is to to still be in a space where you feel like your parents opinions matter so much and you have to like really reel yourself from not getting too caught up in those opinions affecting your state of mind like what you do every day how you feel every day because of parents opinions again there's so much negative emotions that come with it and I think one big one is just guilt slash shame It's like, you do this and it doesn't align with what they think you should do. And they end up making you feel like, so bad. (laughs) Like, you are just like, the worst. Like, how could you? You know, it's still bringing it back up and just things like that. And it's just like, man, you know, like, that doesn't feel great. So, yeah, I feel like one big thing is just not disclosing too much. So that comes with a lot of, I think, restraint and learning to trust yourself, which is hard if you go back to what we've talked about in the past when um, we've talked about like the stages of development and your parents not giving you a chance to understand who you are as an independent being, which makes it hard to trust yourself. Um, immigrant parents a lot of times create this, these relationship dynamics that can lead to codependency, which makes it hard for you to make your own decisions and stand firm in them. And what I've learned over time is to trust myself, trust what I know based on the research that I've done, the experiences that I've had, 
um, the people of wisdom that I've spoken to um, that understands all of the context versus my parents who come from one specific lens, their own cultural lens that they want to instill within me, if that makes sense, right? Like my parents mean well, they have wisdom. So there are things that they tell me that I take and I, I appreciate till this day. However, their scope, their lens is informed by one thing many times, the culture, their culture, what they feel should be done in their culture. And that's not always helpful to me because I'm not always working out of that culture. I'm not always working out of the Haitian culture. I take the Haitian culture into account. I mean, I I really, for the most part, (laughs) can't get away from it. Not that I'm trying to, but what I'm saying is like, it's just a part of really all that I do. And there are also other cultures and um, systems that affect how I do. And at the end of the day, I have to trust that. And when I trust that, that's when I'm able to make a decision without feeling like I have to share that with (laughs) parents for them to give me feedback that's negative and for me to then feel uneasy and anxious about the whole thing. You know what I mean? Um, So when I make a decision and I feel good about it, I could follow through with it, do what I got to do to make it happen, then share. Which for me has been really, really helpful. You know, like I make a decision I do it, then I could say, oh, hey, you know, this is what I did. And then they could say what they want to say. But also it becomes a little bit harder for them to say much because it's already done. (laughs) So they might say some things, but it's not as heavy because it's already done. And then it's already done. So I feel less inclined to really go back on anything. You know, like once I've decided, okay, I trust this decision. I'm doing it. I've done it. Is that's it? Like you know, especially if it's a major decision, like there's no real going back. So yeah, I feel like if you can get to that point where you really are learning to take in advice and wisdom from people, from research that really hones in on so many different things um, outside of this one lens of your parents, you could feel safe to make a decision and share things with them afterwards and be cool. You know what I mean? As a grown adult, because a lot of times it don't matter how old you are, their opinions will be their opinions. It's never going to be, oh, you're an adult. I understand that you're going to make your opinion and I'll respect that. Okay. (laughs) Like that, that just doesn't happen. So that's one thing for me that I feel like has been other very helpful. The other thing is, so I was watching a TikTok some months ago. Um, I think right before I took, 
this break um, of this uh, Nigerian girl who was posting that she recently moved out and, you know, she's an adult, I think, you know, 20s or whatever, um, moved out of her parents' house and her mental health has skyrocketed since doing that. Her mental health has skyrocketed since she's she's done that. And she was just describing like the things that she does and her day-to-day life and how she just feels so much better now. She didn't disown her parents. She didn't like, you know, disrespect her parents or like go off on them or anything. She just moved out. So she still has a relationship with them, right? Um, But you talk about moving out to a to an immigrant parent um and for them that can be like the most disrespectful thing that you can do is to move out of their house just because you want to move out and live on your own it's like why in the world would you do such a thing right so in their eyes super disrespectful right but when she talked about how her mental health has literally improved from moving out of her parents' house, I was like, man, go ahead, girl. Do your thing. Like, move out of your parents' house if that is going to improve your mental health. Period. Like, do it. Do it. And I'm not saying to move out if you don't have, you know the means to do it financially um, and, you know, are you setting yourself up to be in a bad situation or, you know, low-key, unhoused? That's not what I'm saying. But if you're financially set up to do so, do not let guilt be the reason why you don't move out of your parents' house. Do not let other people's opinions on when you should move out of your parents' house be the reason why you do it. The opinions of people outside of your parents who don't live in your parents' home with you. Like, people will tell you what they feel like you should do in a circumstance that they've never experienced or even tried to understand the experience. And again, I feel like the experience of living at home as an adult is a whole nother, like, can be a whole nother episode that I've kind of touched on a little bit. But the experience is anxiety-inducing. It can induce depressive um, symptoms. It can induce isolation. Um, It can induce um, lack of motivation. Like when I tell you All these things can happen from just living in your parents' house as a child of immigrants. Um, Because again, their expectations, nine times out of ten, do not match your expectations. Their uh, rules or regulations, nine times out of ten, doesn't make sense for the types of rules that you should have for a grown adult. (laughs) Okay? Okay. So if you are um, 20-something living in your parents' house, I was um, in my late 20s, almost 30, 
when I had to move back in with my parents. Um, and when I tell you those, uh, what, two years was like one of the hardest two years in my life. And, you know, part of it being hard was decisions that I made myself, which I take all accountability for decisions that led me to have to move back home. But also the second part of it that made it hard was how I was treated while I was at home. And that when you hear that, that may sound like, you know, like, you can have different ideas of what I mean by treated. So my parents love me to death. They always have, and I'm pretty sure they always will. They gave me a roof over my head, and they will always have that roof over my head available to me, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, and at the same time, they did not respect my boundaries. Um, they... Uh, had expectations for me that did not make sense for where I was in my life. Um, and they did not help me to feel uh, motivated or better about my situation. Um, so it was hard. It was Hard. And again, I feel like that was like one of the lowest points that I felt mentally um, in a long, long time. Um, because again, I was already like going through my own personal struggle, my own personal struggles at the time. Um, and once I moved out, my relationship with my parents changed for the better, flourished, if one would say. Um, I felt more at ease. I didn't feel as anxious. I didn't feel as low and depressed. Um, I had more motivation. I had a uh, feel and desire to be more social. Um... Because all of those things were diminished in me when I was living at home. Um, because, again, the expectations there become something of what they know is what should be done for a child um, in their mind. In their mind. Even though... I was a grown 27, 28 year old. Um, the expectations were that of, I don't know. <laughs> I can't even say it was like expectations of like a 16 year old. Like it was barely, barely. It was weird. It was weird. And I think um, in another episode, I'll talk more about uh, some specifics of like what was like for me like the breaking point where I realized this is this is ridiculous this this is this is insanity <laughs> um but um yeah yeah again I feel like that goes against the norm especially if you are a young unmarried woman um 
you know, in an immigrant household, you don't move out. You just don't do that um, because of all these negative reasons, outcomes that may happen. So I, you know, you internalize that and begin to think that if I move out, all these negative things are going to happen. And my parents may like stop talking to me, disown me, whatnot, because they will threaten that. They'll say these kind of things and make you feel like if you do this, it's done or, you know, our relationship won't look the same, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, doing that improved my mental health and my relationship with my parents have never been better. Because outside of the household, I was able to establish boundaries. So that's where I'm going with this in terms of in terms of improving your mental health is as soon as I moved out, that's a boundary that was established, a physical boundary, right? So I don't have to be in the same space as, you know, my parents. So that right there enabled something for me. So the physical boundaries changes things. There's less eyes on you. They don't know what you're doing and where you're at. You get to choose what you disclose about where you're doing and where you're at. And, you know, ultimately, you know, you don't have to lie about that. But at the end of the day, whatever you say that you're doing or where you're at, they can't control that, (laughs) you know, like they can hear about it and they may say a comment or two, but they can't control that. Um, And basically they don't have eyes on all of that which doesn't allow them to make a comment or two about these things. So that physical boundary did a lot. And then there's also more that comes with that physical boundary in, in, in you get to control what interactions look like, right? Because it's not forced. It's not in this setting where you have to physically be there with the person. How much you talk to them becomes your choice, you know, um, they may call you or, you know, they may have a schedule of how they, whenever they call you, right? But you get to decide ultimately how much you interact with them outside of being in this physical space where you're low-key forced to interact with them, you know, if you're in the same household. Um, so that's another boundary that gets to be established just by you moving out. <laughs> um, And I feel like those are the boundaries that help you get your mind together because, again, you don't have those same feelings of anxieties and other things of that nature. And you also get to um, use your time in the way that you want it to. That's a a whole nother thing, too, is being in the household and expectations And these expectations about what you're doing for them have nothing to do with your life and what you're trying to do for you. Like, (laughs) immigrant parents have a way of sidestepping whatever you have planned to tell you this is what they feel like you need to do. Whether it's that day, that month, or whatever. You may have a whole day planned of, I got to do this, this, and this. Well, I need you to do this and this and that I, that I got to get done by tomorrow. And it's like, but uh, I had plans. <laughs> it doesn't matter what those plans were. They still want you to do it. And those are the things that are just like, bruh, like, 
I'm not here to just do everything that you need me to do for you. Like I have my own life and responsibilities, especially as you're like, you know, just navigating adulthood. <laughs> like, you know, when you're not like a teen or whatever anymore. So, um, yeah, you, you get the opportunity to make your time look like what you want. And that also helps you have like just a stronger sense of, you know, allocating that time, um, being able to socialize so your time can be actually spent doing that is something that's, that's, if that's something that you value, you can actually spend time with friends and other people that you want to spend time with because that's a value to you, which should be, you know, like you should be at all ages socializing with people outside of your household and having community outside of just your household. That's normal, right? But sometimes that can be made to feel abnormal if you're living in at home with immigrant parents. Um, all those things affect your mental health. And if you're doing it right outside of your parents' household, your mental health will, will improve. If you're able to have time, have time with people and socialize with people that, you know, give you energy or make you feel good or, or supportive, that's good. If you're able to allocate your time where you're doing things that you need to get done as an adult, but also having time to self-care and not worry about what other people want you to do with your time, that's an improvement. You know, if you're, you know, able to feel more motivation because you have more time to do the things that you've wanted to do. That's great. So those are all the things that can actually improve for you if you make that leap and say, you know what, I'm going to trust myself and I'm going to give myself an opportunity to do this thing called life as an adult independently and work on myself. Man, there's so much great that can come from that. Um, so that's what I want, you know, children of immigrants to like remember and, you know, keep in mind and push themselves to do if that really honestly will help improve your mental health. Um, it's about boundaries. <laughs> it's about boundaries. You know, you won't hear about them from your parents more than likely or family members, but you can learn what that looks like. Um, so if that looks like, you know, you, you, you create what that looks like for you. So what you do may be again, like breaking normal standards or outside of the norm, but remember what your mental health looks like for you. And it doesn't mean that you are doing something that is, you know, um, uh, like mean or hurtful no boundaries are not meant to be mean they're not meant to be hurtful remember they're not for them they're for you so you know if you're doing things that make you um improve in your state and you're not again being mean being hurtful being disrespectful then do what you gotta do for you um so that's my message today that that's really what i wanted to Really wanted to touch on and give perspective on because it's hard out here. I know it is. Um, 
but I feel like this is a conversation that is not had enough or if it's had, it comes from a very skewed perspective and um, I feel like we need more of a, a broader perspective to help people make these decisions. Like these are big decisions, it makes sense. Um, you know, people's mental health matters. So that's why I feel like this conversation is important. So if you found this helpful or, you know, this is something that you're still trying to process and work through, let's talk about it in the YouTube comments, like I said, on the podcast page. But if nothing else, thank you all for tuning into the Surviving Second Gen podcast. I'll see you all at the next one. Bye. If you found today's episode valuable or this podcast as a whole, I invite you to leave a five-star review and also leave a comment letting others know what you gain from this episode. This allows for our podcast to gain more visibility and for it to reach the people that want to hear this information. Also, we invite you to engage in the comments on the YouTube page, Surviving Second Gen Podcast, so we can continue this rich conversation that we're having today.